Welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. And I'm Steve, and known for reheating for no one. <laughs> and this week we're looking at Season 6, Episode 8, The Seal Who Came to Dinner, in which Niles' campaign for the Golden Apron is thwarted by a deceased seal. Uh, my question for you this week, Stephen, is what's the garish, most garish item of clothing you own? I'm, I'm thinking prompted, of course, by martin's jumper in this episode yes well that would suit me more if i was a matador it um, would indeed what what's the most garish thing i've got i've got a bright yellow ralph loren t-shirt which um, yeah i mean it's, it is it's a polo shirt and it's quite nice but um yeah i have to be selective of what i wear it with because it is literally bright, bright yellow yeah yeah is it the kind of, kind of t-shirt that when you're wearing it in the summer it's attracting bugs and gnats and things because they think you're a sunflower <laughs> Yeah, that and you have to be quite tanned before you wear it, because if not, as we're British, um, we're quite pasty. So yellow with pasty skin does not look as good as when you've got a bit of a suntan on your arms. <laughs> Very true indeed. I can't think what the most garish thing I own is. I'm pretty unadventurous when it comes to things like that. Um, I've got maybe some bold things, like I've got a real thick cream roll neck that I love. But it's it is it is like a granddad's cardigan type roll necky thing. Um, I've also <laughs> and, got and like cream a, kind of blends in, doesn't it? Cream, yeah, cream doesn't I've, stand out kind of garish. It's not it's not garish in that way, but it's it's bold in that it's a bit like whoa, what are you wearing? You know, are you are you eighty? Um, so I don't know. But in terms of, I don't really have anything garish in color. Listeners, do let us know if you've got anything on that front. Before we get into trivia corner this week, Steve. You've got some pretty exciting and, and cool things to talk us through, have you not? Well, I have, I'll, I'll warn you now, I haven't put these in a strict order. They're not in numerical order. But as right. listeners would have seen, uh, Spotify Wrapped is out. And I know that a lot of people listen on uh, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, etc., and other, other streaming services. But we did do mm-hmm. a little sort of giveaway announcement that we'll want to do and i have got a little prize for everyone or well the top person who we have now established um i was just going to read out a few people's names that obviously got in contact because spotify wrapped has now launched um paul berryman got in contact to show that he was um it was his top podcast carissa eggers was the same uh richard teeth got in contact to say he'd listened to us for 6404 minutes which I thought was a hell of a long time until I saw that no Keith Garcia had listened for us 7,112 minutes. And uh, then there was the Fraser Pottery Project on Instagram, 4,857 minutes. Uh, wow. Another account on Instagram, Fraser Head, also rated as our, one of our top listeners, 
Um, I think was it Floyd, your friend? He um, he tagged you, didn't he? Lo- yeah, Floyd? Lloyd, Lloyd, Lo- Lloyd. So, do you know why I put Floyd? Because I think I made a comment about him before saying, "Was he Floyd or Lloyd the Happy Chef?" Floyd the Happy um, Chef. So written Floyd. Apologies, we should, Lloyd. We should refer Lloyd. to him from now on, though, as Lloyd the Happy Chef, because he will love <laughs> Lloyd that. The, <laughs> Lloyd the Happy Listener. Um, <laughs> how, however, the prize is going to go to Dear Beck, uh, which is D-W-E-R-B-E-C-K on Instagram, who listened to us for 13,718 minutes, which I worked out as nine and a half days of listening to this podcast. Oh, my God. Um, that is one hell of a long listen. Um, so thank you. Dear Beck, can you get in contact with at FraserPod on Instagram, which I know you follow because you got in contact with that. Um, just send us your home address or the best address to send a little gift to, and I will get it shipped out as soon as I can. Okay. Um, bear in mind, it is near Christmas here, so it has to leave mine and obviously travel its way to you. So, um, But there was yeah. something from the We're Listening podcast on its way to you. Amazing. Thank you so much, Steve, for organizing all of that. And can I just say, I, I was the one who posted on social media, oh, this will be a fun competition. I didn't warn Steve that I was going to do it. Steve organizes <laughs> the prizes and actually it reads through all of the entries himself. So I I did nothing in this competition other than kind of just think, oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> all of the hard work is done by Steve. And uh, I hope listeners kind of, yeah, recognize that because he is the the wheels that keeps us turning. Uh, Alistair Green, Steve, and his stickers. Do you have anything more to say about this, this wonderful project? Um, well, mine arrived this week. Um, so I now have two We're Listening podcast stickers in my possession, which have turned up to me in Tolsbury and Essex in the UK. Um, I know that some have been posted back to Alistair's homeland of Scotland although he is now residing in Texas in the USA, which is quite exciting. Um, Alistair, Alistair did actually take his to a special place, which I did uh, announce, I think, on the last episode, and I will post the pictures of the, where, where he's been with a couple of the stickers. Um, but listeners, if you are now receiving, I think he sent out over 100 in the end, although he only said he was going to give away 50. He actually ordered extra because so many people wanted them. Um, which we then closed the giveaway because if not, Alistair, poor boy, would have to keep buying more, um, which again, thank you so much for those who donated and for Alistair, obviously, for his uh, generosity in, in putting his own hand in his pocket to pay for these. Um, yeah, mm. I mean, as soon as they arrive with you, please, please, please just take them somewhere nice or show us where they're located, where you're going to stick them and um, just tag at FraserPod or tag uh, We're Listening, a Fraser podcast on Facebook. Show us these pictures, send them in as a private message if you wish. And um, again, there may be a little giveaway for wherever, possibly actually, I'm going to make Alistair pick this. He can be in charge of his favourite photo and um, and I'll sort our prize to post that to that person as well. But again, thank you to Alistair and thank you to everyone who got in contact with Alistair. Um, I've actually seen some of the emails that you, uh, you guys have sent him to thank him and some of the lovely comments you wrote about the podcast. Thank you all. So yeah. exciting times. Exciting times indeed. I've got one little shout out to say, actually. So uh, not that long ago, I accepted a LinkedIn request from uh, from Josh. I won't say surname just to protect data, um, but I received a LinkedIn connection from Josh. And uh, I thought it might just be a kind of classic. This person is a business person and they're trying to, you know, advertise or they're trying to headhunt mm. or I didn't think it would be an actual bespoke message for me. Um, and I accepted it and I looked at it yesterday and I've not got around to responding yet. Um, but Josh is a professor at Dartmouth University in America, um, a very, very prestigious and, and highly regarded college. 
Um, and he listens to the podcast and he not only is he a listener of the podcast, but he does research that isn't entirely a million miles away from what my PhD thesis was on and on small town America. Wow. So he's got in touch to share some of the work he's doing and to ask if I've done any of this work. And I've not got around to replying to you yet, Josh, although I plan on doing so this week. Um, but just an absolutely wonderful and really out of the blue message to, to have and i think the intersections on the venn diagram of people interested in small town america and people who listen to this podcast josh and me are probably the only two people that that lie in that intersection um but nevertheless awesome and uh just shows that yeah you guys really are listening and it's lovely when we when we hear from you um trivia corner are you ready to tuck yourself in Stephen? Yes, I believe so. Let's see what the brain can handle today. Excellente. Well, let's start off with our boy, Mischief Knight, who asks you, Steve. Question one. Before Fraser remembers that Claudio represents a potential employer, well, that should be Claudia, I think, uh, how does he first re remember and refer to her? Uh, is it Kevin's widow? It is Kevin's widow. Very good indeed. Oh, that sounds like a, a punk band. Kevin's widow. Kevin. Kevin's widow. <laughs> this is Kevin's widow with funeral. <laughs> um, question two. What two things does Daphne tell Martin won't suffice in his attempts to court Pam? Won't suffice. Um, I don't mm. know. Is it, is it? Is that because it's weirdly not weirdly written? Is it just my brain's not working? Because I know, I know she says it's not dating if you're an occupying force. But she, just, that... <laughs> she just says such and such, won't, it won't be enough with blank and a blank, or blank and a blank won't be enough. Oh, I can't remember what it is, something to do with... Oh, no, no, I honestly can't think. Something to, is it something to do with 21 years old, or, or you're not 21? Uh, Hershey bars, is that one of them? Hershey yes, bar and... a Hershey oh. bar and something even simpler that costs nothing. Battery, I don't know. Very close, <laughs> very close. A kindly smile and a Hershey bar. Oh. Um, weirdly, we have these little snack boxes at school that like it for charity and they get restocked every now and then and there's Hershey bars in them. But then there's also wow. dairy milk and I'm never ever <laughs> going to choose a Hershey bar over dairy milk. Um, other than being neighbours, how does Gretchen know Maris? Uh, do, 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 do. Good question because I made a note about how odd and singular this line was are they members of the same club of some sort i can't think of what it is though not not a club gotta go back further than that Went to the same school very close she taught <laughs> maris falconry at her finishing school <laughs> uh, <laughs> just just of, of all things <laughs> I think there's primed for a gag there about how like Maris could never succeed because the weight of the bird on her arm would always tip her over or something. Um, that seems like an well, open, yeah. an open goal that they they didn't, or that or that the falcon would lift her off the ground or something. Um, yeah. So they yeah, had yeah. to. That's just it writes itself. Um, do you want to ask your questions for me before I jump over to M uh, to ha Hamish? Yes, indeed. Right. Question mm. number one. Yes. Nervosa, Fraser and Niles discuss Claudia Kynock. How many newspapers and radio stations does she own? Oh, I'm going to go with four. It's six newspapers and nine radio stations. My God, what a powerful woman. 
Well, exactly. Well, good for you, Kevin, Claudia. Kevin obviously died and left for a lot of money. I don't know how she bought all this stuff. Maybe. Um, right. Question number two. In which previous Christmas episode does Daphne gift Martin the jumper we see in this episode? Is it Perspectives on Christmas? It is. Yes. Any idea which season and episode number that might be? That doesn't matter is... if you don't know. It's just a season... random stab in the Season five. Yes. Episode 17. So oh, I thought you were going to say episode seven. It's episode nine. It's literally oh, almost no. one season ago. So Damn, but you got the episode right. So that, you still got it right. Uh, nice. Question number three, which I think you'll get. The title is based off the title of which play by Moss Hart and George S. Hoffman. Or Kaufman, sorry. I've written that really badly. I can't read my own writing. Is it? This isn't the only episode that Frasier has that title that's based on this this display. Yeah, and also because there's the Anne who came to dinner. There is, and, and they're also, both based off. <laughs> I, I'm, and I'm fairly confident that that Laura, if that's her name, in Four for the Seesaw references also, that they've been to also, see. Yep, also mentions the same so one. So it, it is. Is it, <laughs> is it the man who came to dinner? It is the man who came to dinner about something unwanted that turns up and you try and get rid of it several times and it keeps coming back. Comedy? <laughs> <laughs> I used to think so. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Some cracking questions there. Not, not. Uh, did I get one out of three there? or I, I'd say you got two. You uh, you got one Perspectives on Christmas and The Man Who Came to Dinner. That is definitely wow. two out of three for you. That's not too bad. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Hammy asks for you, Stephen. Question one. When Frasier is getting arrested, there's only one man in the room who's wearing a waistcoat under his tuxedo jacket. What colour is said waistcoat? Red. Yes, it is. <laughs> is it the guy who's allergic to bivalves? Yeah, I think it's the guy who's got the glasses on. Is it Sebastian is his name? I think so. Sebast something. He's an absolute <laughs> uh he's an absolute idiot. Um Daphne doesn't like Martin looking at her friend Pam, played by Susie Park. What movie did Susie Park feature in where she got a nomination for a World Stunt Award? Oh no. God, stab in the dark again. I'll keep using that phrase, which I shouldn't because it's not wearing a penwar. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say Jurassic Park. You know, <laughs> I don't know why I think this, but it's not a million miles away. It was Spider Man 2 in 2004. Um, <laughs> Do you know what? I thought I thought Jurassic Park was a thought well, that was only a couple of years ago. Maybe she was in that as a child or sort of slight, slightly younger person. I don't, I don't know why. You I say only that. a couple of years ago, but it was about 30 years ago. Um, no, I meant as in this episode's 1999. Jurassic uh, Park was about what, 94, 95, something like that. So that makes sense. Uh, how old was Martin during the Korean War? Mentioned by Daphne. 21. 21. It? 21 indeed. Yeah. Blackjack. Although, um, Corey, I've, I've got to ask, Corey, does that fit the Martin Crane timeline? Is this I, in his report? I bet it doesn't. <laughs> I bet it doesn't. Just also need to apologize to listeners that Steve and I and Key, which is why Key isn't recording today, we are all ill. Um, so Steve and I are trying not to cough on the mic and trying to mute where possible, but it is it is hard. So you will hear us coughing. I apologize. Um, trivia from Little Owl in the Glen. Whilst Frasier is only able, oh, my screen's gone off, to show sympathy for one of them. What are the six problems Roz is having when sitting with the cranes at Nervosus? At Nervosus. Oh, rather. God. Um, oh, what a 
brilliant question that has literally just killed my mind. <laughs> I have, Joe, I've even watched this episode twice today because I watched it just to make a couple of notes for Will. And then uh, when he said he couldn't make it, I jumped in and watched it a second time to refresh myself and make notes, which I then didn't make any notes. Um, <laughs> I could not tell you a single one of the six, I don't believe. Don't worry. <laughs> so she broke a nail. Uh, yeah. A baby with colic, yeah. being tired because she was in a car accident. <laughs> yeah, right. She rear-ended a car that had four lawyers in it, so she's yes. probably going to get sued. And she's unemployed. And even if she was employed, her wages may have to pay for the whiplash faking lawyers. Um, <laughs> so there we go. An excellent question from Little Owlet in the Glen. Um, trivia from Noel Crane. How many total people do we actually see in the beach house Love this one. The king of the visual questions has just possibly given his crowning achievement with this one. I'm going to have to take a random guess because there's no way I can tell. Um, I know that I th I'm sure one of them is called Sebastian. I'm sure that there's Claudia. There's another bloke in there. I'm going to go with nine. Double it and take one off. <laughs> <laughs> 17. <laughs> 17 Christ, people in the beach house. Um, so that's a lot. That's a lot of people, right? That's there. a lot of people. It, do, it does fill the beach house, I've got to admit, but yeah, mm. I didn't think it was anywhere near that high. <laughs> I know. Uh, last couple here trivia from the scary hippopotamus. Why did Chef Marcel walk out on a christening party? Uh, someone changed a diaper, and I, I think that upstaged his uh, his dinner. He didn't an like ill timed that. diaper change, which is incredible wording. <laughs> Um, trivia from Father Mike to end trivia corner this week. What is the name of the scene with when when Martin, Pam, and Daphne? That I'm not sure what that means. Um, oh, the well, the title card. I think it, does he mean the title card? It must mean the title card. Yeah, the the question's not kind of fully fully worded. It must be uh, what's what's the name of the title card? So the only title card I can remember is I think is is it the fate is sealed. Oh, it's it's soul mates, but souls yeah. about like the capital of South Korea. Now, as soon as you said that, that's the other one I can remember. Yeah, of course it would be that one because uh, she's there from Korea. Very, very good indeed. Thank you all so so much for your trivia. As always, please keep it coming. Shall we get to the review, Stephen? Yes, indeed. Let's go. Animation watch, please put us out of our misery. What was it? Well, actually, before that. The last episode we rushed into so quickly we forgot the animation watch. I'd just like to say I believe it was the lift going up. I it could was... be wrong. I thought I thought we talked about it. I thought I, I knew what it was, but you hadn't looked. No, I think that was the episode before. <laughs> really? In one of them, we haven't talked about the animation at all. I think we just... It, it was such a last-minute thing last weekend, wasn't it, that we just went straight into it. I, maybe we did. Maybe I've literally just forgotten that. It's been a long... No, long I, I mean, I, I'm, it's um, plausible. It's very plausible indeed. We, we run things here in We're Listening <laughs> Towers. Um, yeah. <laughs> if only we had Joe Martinez in charge, we'd, we'd be better at this. If only. Um, this week, we had a shooting star, which I think is amazing because it ties in with the episode for once. Unbelievable. <laughs> I have to think that was deliberate. Is it because there seems to be no rhyme or reason? It's like they're on a kind of Spotify shuffle of like, okay, we're going to put that animation with that episode. Clearly some deliberation's gone on there. 
it happens occasionally. I think there's it's the odd uh, rain sort of scene, isn't there? There's rain or a rain yeah. cloud over it. And I think sometimes it rains in that episode, but the state flower is mildew, so that makes sense, I suppose, for Seattle. Mm. Um, but yeah, with, with this, I thought I thought the shooting style was a, a really really nice little uh, sort of not tribute, but do you know what I mean? Like a little accent towards the uh, little nod towards this episode starting, which is yeah. great. Obviously, the meteor the meteor shower that later on we'll uh, discuss. <laughs> we will we will discuss that. Uh, Frasier is in a great mood in the Vosa, unlike Roz and Niles for various reasons. Roz, as we've just outlined, Niles because he can't host his. Gourmet the golden, club. <laughs> golden apron award. He wants the golden is. apron. Um, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I don't own an apron actually in my new house, and I could do with buying one. Um, I'm pretty cavalier when I'm frying things. It's just like, you know, I just hope it doesn't <laughs> go on me. Um, so I could do with getting a golden apron, that'd be nice. Um, but they're at the bookshelf table, uh, which is lovely. I've just got back today actually from my favorite bookshop in the midlands shout out to astley book farm it's i think it's the biggest secondhand bookshop in the west midlands it's got the nicest coffee shop and i sat there with my friend we had a coffee surrounded by books it was like sitting in my own private nervosa um so uh, that does yeah. sound ideal was it raining because i know that it was it yeah exactly i it knew was, it would be it's it raining all day it here <laughs> it's absolutely chucking it down so that was really nice um really nice indeed uh, i love ross's kind of sarcastic comment about when niles starts about his problems like, oh stop i'm gonna need a golden ha- i'm gonna need a hanky not a golden hanky <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm gonna need a hanky here um she just yeah they, i do think the boys are really harsh on ross here she's got actual issues and they don't give an shit well it's, it's just that kind of is it juxtaposition i suppose in a way that niles thinks that his problem is perfect you know like the, a real what is it? he says um i want to get back my manliness and i can't do that without the golden apron yes that yeah. would certainly help um so and, and and like you say fraser when he sits down oh look i've stumbled on happy hour where everyone's miserable with issues um and you know yeah he's in a good mood which makes a change actually for fraser yeah, yeah, it does. It really does. He's normally the, the kind of slightly curmudgeonly um, presence in the scene. It's not often Niles is that grumpy. You know, he's a he's he's no. neurotic, but not grumpy. Um, Niles orders a latte. Uh, I have put here that that's my go-to, and it is my go-to. And yet, saying that, not three hours ago, I had a cappuccino, not a latte. <laughs> So what I mean, what's your go-to coffee order? I don't think I don't know if we've ever discussed this in the pod. <laughs> we must have. Uh, we- we won't. I absolutely despise coffee. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and yet you are it. keeper of the coffee count. Well, only because you stopped doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I stopped a, doing a, t- a lot of things. <laughs> I'm, I'm a tea drinker, and when I do that, I wave a crumpet in the air and always sing "God Save the King." What um, kind of tea do you drink? Uh, literally, as it comes. I, I, I'm not specific about it if you said i'm almost like fraser just dunk a bag in some hot water I don't, you don't, I don't put care. you don't put milk in it you put milk in it yeah no yeah, sugar milk in it but uh no sugar no no sugar and then what brand of tea do you have again i don't care but you, but, you, but, but you must steve because there is <laughs> there is a staggering staggering quality difference between like your tetley's and your yorkshire teas Okay, I'm. Sh- I I know that there is, but I really just I'm. I just I don't care. I don't. Oh, some that... people say, "Oh, I think I've made it a little weak for you." And I'm like, "Is it? If it's got a tea bag in it, it's got milk in it, it'll be fine." And they go, "Oh, I might have put too much milk in. I might not have put enough milk in." I'm like, "It's drinkable. It's tea. I don't care." 
I, you just, need, I, I need, I need to get you to my house and I need to make you some teas. And we can be like, look, this is I a good do one. A blindfolding tea test. <laughs> yeah. I want to see you, sw- you know, swirling one round. Um, twining. If you, if you put two different bags in and I find out it's a blend, I will not be happy. <laughs> <laughs> twinings. I'm not, I'm not being paid to say this. Twinings Earl Grey. Best Earl Grey you can get. Every other Earl Grey is rubbish. And I I like Twining's Assam tea. Assam is lovely. It's like it's like English breakfast, but it's maltier and stronger. Um, and also Marks and Spencers do a nice knockoff Twining's Assam. Um, so that's what I've been drinking a lot of lately. Just for listeners, other teas are available and other shops are available to get that tea from. They are indeed. They are indeed. But are I won't en- use them. <laughs> we are I'm- not endorsed, but if Twinings are looking to sponsor a podcast, <laughs> we also have Happy Dreams tea. One one taste and you're asleep for years now. Happy Dreams. <laughs> We've done that one before. We've done um, that one before. While we're in the Vosa and Coffees, um, yes. as we did rush to do How to Bury a Millionaire, Roz, Fraser, and Niles all had a coffee in How to Bury a Millionaire last week. And Ros, Fraser, and Niles all had a coffee in the seal that came to dinner, bringing the total up to, if I go back, da, 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 first do no harm was 193. Uh, Secret of Mile was 196. I think that means 202. Oh, nice. We've gone over the, uh, the double century of tea and coffees drunk. Which is quite nice. We are now into the two hundreds. <laughs> Actually, that might be a fun thing to do. Can listeners predict how many we're going to get to by the end? Oh my god! <laughs> great, great idea. My god, I wish we'd done that from the beginning. Um, you could do it now because I don't think anyone's going to suddenly no. pick up on this count and go ahead. And if they do, good luck to them. If they really want to sit there and work it out, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a yeah. Do do do. We'll put something on socials because I think that'd be fun. Uh, we need to keep a tally of all of these cool things. Um, <laughs> Niles refers to the Shangri-La as a. Can you remember his alliterative put down? I cannot. I'm afraid he calls it a gulag with a game room, um, which is which is superb. <laughs> Um, possibly a little harsh on the ordinary people that live there um, who probably think it's quite preferable to a gulag. Um, nevertheless, lovely alliteration. Um, yeah, Roz gets up and leaves now. No sympathy shown to her. Fraser says, I don't know, something about a broken nail and they just kind of discard it away. <laughs> um, so just classic. Once a golden apron's in, on the mind, it's hard to think about anything else. I have some serious issues with the B plot of this episode. Um, I'm not going to soapbox too much, and I'd probably quite like to just gloss over it if we can. I really do not like Martin's Martin's storyline here. It is lecherous. It's unsettling. Um, it's it's just weird as hell. Not only the allusions to the fact that he dated women in Korea. Um, you know, <laughs> so date... I don't mean I don't mean to laugh, but Daphne's no, line still it, that she it, it says is hilarious. It's not, it's not dating when you're an occupying force. I mean, it kills me. Every it's time. just it's a brilliant line because how can he possibly how can he possibly think he ever dated those women under normal conditions? Um, but then yeah, literally staring at her when she goes to the powder room and saying, "Oh, she reminds me of the girls back in Korea." There's just a lot going on with this that I think is incredibly uncomfortable. Um, what one is it? Is it factually? I might think I might be wrong here. When Niles mentions that one of the gentlemen has a geisha part, and he goes, "Oh, he had geishas." Aren't geishas from China or Japan? Geishas or are Japanese, I... so they're not Korean. Um, yeah, so, so 
basically any any woman of kind of far east asian origin is fair game for martin in this episode and it's just yeah i think there's this there's there's problematic stuff going on with women with race with war um it's a, <laughs> it's got it's got a ticking all the boxes for like oh this storyline hasn't aged well um and i know some listeners think oh shut the shut the f up about things that haven't aged well some listeners are like you know, thank you for having a balanced discussion. We're not saying let's cancel Martin. Let's let's take this episode off the air. Uh, you know, Daphne's got some hilarious lines, and you know, Martin is Martin. He's harmless, but I just think no, they dropped the ball with this one. To to put it in a different, slightly different perspective, maybe. Do you think it's also maybe realistic that a sixty-five-year-old man? could possibly see Daphne's younger friend and go, she's really attractive. And as Daphne puts it, be a dirty old man. Oh, it's absolutely realistic. And I think that's also that's, probably that's, just, yeah, that's probably so a bit that's like... the problem, isn't it? It's accurate. I mean, you know, that, that, that's not so much an issue. Like that, that, that's not the problem. It's more where it goes and where the origins of that attraction come yeah, from yeah, when yeah. it gets really weird. Like, I, I, mean, I don't want to think it, about a village that's burned down. Like, well, it gets really <laughs> strange. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I think Frazier manages to dismiss it a bit, doesn't he? Because then when Niles comes in, he says, oh, they had geishas. And he goes, really? And Frazier just goes, it's a Korean thing. Carry on. And they just sort of, and that's it. They just ignore dad. He's in one of his strange Korean, Asian fancying moods. And we should just mm-hmm. glaze over it and get out of this conversation, which I suppose kind of makes up for it. Um, it does bring me to say, actually, um, this is a Joe Keenan episode. <laughs> Which wow, there we go. Gives you gives you the farcical side of it, which we will see slightly later on in this this episode. But also there's a lot of things that people would say that Joe Keenan's episodes don't date well, purely because of um the farcical scenes around um the mix em ups with uh, gay characters, for example. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he was a very good writer. Well, he still is a very good writer, as far as we're aware, still writing. Um, not for the current show, just to disappoint people. Mm. Um, but you know, he's an award-winning writer and for 90s sitcom, this stuff was comedy gold, wasn't it? You know, all of this stuff back then was literally the cream of the crop Emmy winning stuff. So, but, and, and as I'll probably say later again, it does become a very, very fun episode purely because of his writing and his talent. So, Oh yeah. He, he absolutely nails it with the, with the A plot. Uh, I'd just be curious to see what listeners think about this one, because I think even sometimes even more, um forgiving listeners in terms of like you know oh well it's it was it was it was funny at the time so let's just leave it sometimes even their radars twinge with certain things i'd be interested to see where this kind of lands on that on that kind of spectrum um weirdly daphne uses fanny to describe her bum which is obviously an americanism daphne is british um it yeah. has a very, very different meaning here, um, which we don't need to go into. So that's, does that strike you as a bit like, oh, that's that's not right? I don't know if that was because, was it censored? Because it shouldn't have been, because she could have quite easily turned around and said, what, what, sorry, what was the line again? Remind me the line. She oh. says something my fanny, doesn't she? I will have, bear with me. Let me look it up. She says, um, mistake my fanny, you ordered the Joy Look Club. Right, so really, you'd say my ass, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what you'd say. It, it, in in Britain or in America, the phrase would be mistaken my ass, whatever. So they've clearly changed that to either censor out the word ass, which I've now said a million times, 
<laughs> or, or um, you know, they want to Americanize it. Again, mm. obviously, Joe Keenan being an American writer doesn't matter whether Daphne is English or not. They put that in there for the Americans' benefits, not for us Brits to watch. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, it can't be a crime if it's catered. One of the greatest lines. Oh, oh pish. <laughs> oh, pish. It can't be a crime if it's catered. Um, the idea that break and enter into any house you wish, should you put on a spread, you'll be absolved of the, of the crime immediately. We are not <laughs> endorsing you to do this, but I think Nas's logic kind of makes sense. Um, well, I mean, he's saying he's throwing a dinner party in his, in his ex-wife's house. No one could think that was awful. It's a dinner party. It's not breaking and entering. Marcel will be there, the the, the, the sculptor turned chef. Every dish is a work uh, another, of art. Another Joe Keenan thing. Let's throw in a Frenchman who's actually played by an American. Yeah. <laughs> Loves that. Loves that. Um, so they decide to host at Maris's beach house because obviously the, the gulag of the game room is off limits and Fraser's apartment's no good because of a scratch on the glass. Um could they maybe have made it a bit more of a bit more slightly a slightly bigger issue for them to not go to Fraser's apartment? I think I think there's scope for fu- something funnier to have happened to disqualify well, his apartment from the running. The thing is, they've already used the uh, scratch on the floor, haven't they? With yes. Cecil, remember? So we've already Cecil. dropped the chair while moving it. So how the hell do we now get out of Fraser's apartment? We need some more damage. He could have said his. Is it is his Gagano on the fritz? I think that's Niles's cooker, isn't it? Is it a Gagano or something like that? The yeah. German oven that he can't use or something like that. But um, yeah, other than saying, you know, I think he gets uh, Martin out of the house with Seahawks tickets. There's all these different ways of getting people out of the house. However, yeah, I mean, would they really have picked on it? Well, it's a it, small crack, isn't it? A bird flew into the window, which mm. isn't. Well, it's actually the first time we now now know of a bird flying into the window. There's another one later on with um, uh, an episode with the KACL gang all going to Fraser's house, isn't there? When a pigeon, I think, flies into the window. Um, mm. I'm not. I'm not even sure that many birds would be up on the 19th floor. That sounds very high for a lot of birds to be hitting into windows. But I suppose I'm sure I'm not surprised it happens. Um, yeah, I yeah, I think you're probably right. I think there's different ways they could have got out of that, but. Um, that's Mr. Keenan for you. He's putting an easy way out. He has indeed. It's irrelevant. We just um, need to get to that beach house. That's all well, we need to do. We need speaking to to of, house. well, let's get there right now. Let's open the doors and enter the beach house. I've put here Friends and Seinfeld, to the best of my knowledge. Friends, definitely. Seinfeld, when maybe they stay with, with Jerry's parents. Is that a beach house? <laughs> no, but they, they go to a beach house where Kramer steals lobster and... George's girlfriend Jane uh, goes topless, and everyone sees her boobs before George has. <laughs> right, brilliant. So, is there a is there a thing about American sitcoms of the nineties and the beach house episode as a trope? Because that's three massive nineties sitcoms that have uh, that have been there and that have used it. I mean, why the appeal? What do you think's going on there? I think is it because they all live in major cities that you know maybe it's somewhere glorious to go, isn't it? It's a bit like a ski. I think they all do. They all do a skiing holiday. I think they probably all do. Yeah, like, I think they do actually skiing as well. Yeah, again, but because it's something they need to go on. Um, you know, they need to involve something else, don't they? they? Need to move out of the city occasionally. Um, I think the beach house is brilliant. It's a really nice little set. It um, is. I think 
Gretchen the neighbour is hilarious with her wolfhound has just had puppies. I was just about to say, why is that line delivery so <laughs> sinister and Niles' look is so sinister as well? It's it's a really unsettling line. Yeah, it's just, you know, she's supposed to be German, so of course she has to have a wolfhound. A wolfhound has puppies. <laughs> what, else, what else would she have? Um, <laughs> I did note down, actually, there's, um, according to the trivia on IMDb, mm. um, it actually says, let me flick over the page where I've written it down, I can't see it. Um, you can see the numbers. If you look at the keypad where Niall says he's going to put in the number, and it's Maris's ideal weight. Do you want to have a guess at what you think that ideal weight is? As in the weight she wants to be. Her ideal weight, yeah. That's uh, her that's her code. I'm gonna guess something incredibly, incredibly unhealthy and say it is. <laughs> and, and I'm gonna say like 48 kilos. Right. Half it and take off eight. Um what? <laughs> no, half it and take off four, sorry. Uh, Maris's ideal weight. Uh, Niles punches in 4512, which is 45 pounds and 12 ounces, which comes out to 20.8 kilos. Oh my God. So dead, basically. Yeah, that that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely but it, insane. But obviously, they had to make it absolutely ridiculous. Like, yeah. To- yeah. Totally. And probably never thought that anyone would actually look at what Niles punches in. He just punches in four numbers. But there um, we are. There, there is keen-eyed people out there that wanted to know, and it's 20.8 kilos. That's her <laughs> ideal weight. I bet she never even weighed it. But, you know, yeah, that's what right. she wanted to get down to. There we go. Um, my favourite line delivery of this episode, uh, it's condition, it's deceased. <laughs> uh, and he's on the phone to the, uh, to the well, with the seal, I should say. The seal is on the beach. They're phoning animal control. The just, it's deceased. It's the way he kind of says it. His voice goes up like it's a question because he's so bewildered that he's been asked that. Um, just truly, truly superb. Well, and then immediately that after phone... that, we get the, the ill-timed diaper change as well. But yeah, sorry, you were going to say... I was going to say that whole phone conversation for me was hilarious because then Fraser snatches the phone off Niles, doesn't he? He goes, Dr. Fraser Crane, you may remember my radio show. And he goes, and Niles walks past him and just goes, yes, that'll get the seal mobile racing here in minutes. <laughs> and just, just the whole thing of how dismissive they both are of how to get this seal out to sea. And the fact that he wants to still use, you may remember me being on the radio. Yes, I'm going to get the seal mobile racing here. Oh, sorry. Um, this, the amount of times Frazier tries to trade on his celebrity with with absolutely kind of <laughs> inexplicable forms of you know you know people in his life. Just the the seal people really that they're going to have listened to your radio show. Uh, mm. Well, it's also how many months has he been off 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 air? Because I mean, we we established this is in November. Um, as Chef Marcel says, you know, you've been sl- swimming in your closers. Yes, well, it is November. It's cold out there. Um, and so he got sacked from the radio show. I think we see it in the summer. Everyone's in short sleeves with the piñata and all that. So it's a good few months later. Oh, you'll remember me from my radio show. Like you say, the animal rescue people. Oh, they listen to Frasier's show every afternoon when they're waiting for animal emergencies, I'm sure. Honestly. It's, it's just... just uh, yeah. it's Typical Fraser, isn't it? Typical it, Fraser. It really is typical Fraser. Um, he just be- believes everyone is a fan of his show. Chef Marcel arrives now, incredibly rude, um, playing into the trope of the arrogant and kind of yeah aloof chef perfectly. He reheats for no one. Um, I personally <laughs> uh, will reheat for all. I'm a big fan of reheating. Steve, are you? 
Um, I'd reheat if, if if it was like possible. Do you know what I mean? Certain I reheat things. things. They tell you not to reheat. So, you know, like you know, if I've got a bowl of chili and rice. Yeah. Are you are you a subscriber to the you never reheat rice? Um, I don't normally leave any rice. I have to reheat. <laughs> fair, fair. I don't either. But sometimes if I've done too much rice, I'll need to put it. I I hear this all the time. You never reheat rice. I come from a family, particularly a mom, who is so anal about food control and scared about getting you know food poisoning that everything is cooked to within an inch of its life. Um, however. <laughs> I've never heard that rule in my house, and I've been eating reheated rice my entire life, and I've touch wood never been ill from it. So, is it an old wives' tale? Um, you know, it, I don't, I don't, I know rice can be a bit funny. Yeah, if yeah, if I got a Chinese and then I reheat from you know from a takeaway and then I reheated that, yeah, maybe because that food's been cooking for ages. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if this is a real thing. I just don't. Um... Listeners, write in. Do you yeah. dare reheat rice? <laughs> the question a, on everyone's lips. <laughs> Do you reheat rice? Um, why would they have a children's book in spade? No, why do they have two of them? I couldn't work that out. I mean, it was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah. He comes out, he goes, have you got anything smaller, Niles? Oh, yeah. Um, What's he, um, he says a something spoon, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Um, I can't remember what he says. It, it, Again, like you say, I think it's just the fact that he comes back with the most useless implements to bury a, a seal with. I mean, that really is. But then you're not going to have a proper shovel at a beach house either, eh? No. Why would you have a shovel there? No. I mean, it's just it's, it's inexplicable it's, you don't that they've got that either. I can only assume they came with the beach house um, when it was purchased, um, because otherwise it's, I don't know, quite a sinister plot hole. Um, where where are the kids that those used to belong to? You know, <laughs> what have you done with well, them? Talking of, talk, talking of sinister, this is again off the IMDb trivia, so I don't Ooh, know how true it is. But nice. It's it's um it's uh what is it contributed? Isn't it? It's it's world audience basically can contribute the trivia. It actually says that Christopher Lloyd, one of the writers and producers of Frasier. This episode was written around his real life experience where he went to a beach house uh, to stay and on a vacation and a dead seal had washed up and he actually got it into a kayak and went up to sea to try and get rid of it and it actually turned back up back on his porch. So that's where the idea of the seal that came to dinner apparently comes from. The only part of that trivia that confuses me is why didn't Christopher Lloyd, a writer of sitcoms, then write the episode himself? Why do you say, hi, Joe Keenan, please will you come and write this episode about one of my life experiences? Yeah. So it could be true. I'm not saying it's not true. But obviously, maybe Joe Keenan was contracted to write this episode and he chucked that in the writer's room and, you know, that's how it came about. But apparently it is a, a, a true story of Christopher Lloyd trying to actually get rid of a, a dead seal from his uh, his vacation property. <laughs> oh, that isn't that isn't yeah that, that's amazing that I, I didn't know that but yeah an odd one to not write it yourself um but there didn't we mention uh it didn't mention anchor lamps pen while stabbing it or calling people but it did mention the kayak that he had to take it out to sea with <laughs> nice nice um yeah the pen and the peach aftershave or perfume um come come out now um so the kind of bizarre tableau is really starting to take shape the line delivery of the thing's tongue or tongue lolled out and licked my ankle. Um, both crude and disgusting, <laughs> but also just just hilarious. Um, that must that, that what Niles... that what that must have felt like. I can't even imagine. 
the fact that he says that Niles jumps on Fraser's back <laughs> <laughs> and screams. So good. Um, the it's it, insane. It, sorry, sorry, you go, you go, you go. I was just going to say, you can just imagine the brothers Crane out in this uh, out in this boat, car you absolutely drenched as they come in and, and just yeah. jumping around with this dead seal rolling about in the bottom of the boat. <laughs> you really can. Um, it's insane to me that they think the lamp is the first thing they should use to bury the seal or to weigh it down. You're on a beach with with thousands of rocks. Um, your choice is a, a lamp, um, which probably isn't going to be that heavy. Um, it's got a lampshade, which probably will float to some to some degree. Uh, it's just insane. Obviously, it's for the plot point later, but um, it's just nuts. Why would their mind go to the lamp? Well, the biggest plot hole that I found in this is actually that I know it's battery operated. They take it, they tie it to the seal, they throw it in the water, it floats back with the lamp still attached, and the lamp still works. Hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty resi- I, it's a pretty resilient anchor. <laughs> I mean, it's worth keeping because it's worth its weight in gold, literally, for being able to be submerged in water, tied to a dead seal, and still come back and still flash on and off. The batteries don't even seize up or anything. The light bulb still works perfectly, and um, the clapper still works absolutely perfectly. I think actually that should come with a pretty good guarantee. You know, it's it's water submersible as a lamp. Um, I know, I know. It's just, I mean, it's just nuts. <laughs> What can we yeah, say? That's my biggest. That's my biggest plot hole. Um, I wouldn't have it in my house either. I must admit. <laughs> oh no, it's, me it's, neither. It's not a nice lamp. <laughs> I don't want anything clap activated, and I don't want anything shaped <laughs> like that. Um, this, the guy's allergic to bivalves. Um, he's just very rude about it as well. Are you allergic to any foodstuffs? Have we talked about this, Steve? Um, I might actually have to have people cater for my shellfish demands because I actually had food poisoning really badly when I was younger uh, from eating seafood. Uh, <laughs> enough to say that I've not eaten seafood much since. Uh, Jesus. I don't eat fish, but anything. Yeah, it just I, it was so hideous. My whole family were ill. Uh, we all went out to dinner somewhere for one of my dad's sort of business events. And um, yeah, the whole family was sick from this like seafood soup and platter and whatever else. And yeah, I've just never touched it since. Never trusted it. God, how so, long um, were you yeah. ill for? A uh, good few days. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember, go- I remember going home and I think I watched either Three Men and a Baby, this is how long ago it was, or uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. And there was a food scene in the movie. I can't remember which which one it was. There was a food scene in it. And I actually had to turn the film off and wait until it had stopped because I couldn't bear looking at food. I was laying in bed watching, just felt so ill. I just could not watch people consuming food. It was horrible. Oh, um, God. How yeah, old were you? Uh, early teens, probably 11 or 12 or something like that, just for oh, early teens. So, yeah, it stayed with me. God, <laughs> just avoid. That, <laughs> that sucks, man. Yeah, I was talking actually at the coffee shop earlier. We were talking about allergies. I think I mentioned this before, how I think I'm allergic to pine nuts, but can't be certain. Um, and the last time I had them, the only time I ever had them, I had hives all over my elbows. And it was really weird. I've never got hives before. And they were very angry and sore and itchy. And it was it was really not nice. Um, and my brother is allergic to pine. He, he get like pine trees and stuff. So wow. in terms of like, you know, it, yeah, doesn't doesn't enjoy being around them. Um, so it makes sense. There's something genetic there about pine. 
Um, yeah. Which is devastating because it's one of my favorite types of tree, but there we go. You really um, are, as, as we found out in the last episode, you really are the anti-Chuck, not the not the outdoorsman you want to be if you're allergic to pine. I am the anti-Chuck. <laughs> um, bloody gnats everywhere on the observation deck. Um, you know, gnats, annoying. I hate them. I hate when you've got one in your room and it keeps coming by your ear and you just hear oh. that little... <laughs> it's just so annoying. Um, so I can I actually our friend who's allergic to bivalves, I, I empathize with him here. They are incredibly annoying, and there weren't any at his geisha party. Well, they had geishas at his party. Geishas, geishas, <laughs> um, geishas, I say, as I'm ripping all of my clothes off. Um, Marcel delivers the reheat for no one line now. Um, this episode. Is where I learned first learned the word transom, as in a transom window, which is the small window that you open, are not like a larger window, yep. uh, which I I use bizarrely frequently in regular conversation now, and I learned it from this episode. Do you know where I probably learned that from? Oh no! All the way back to the nineties on Nickelodeon. Hey Arnold, and because of his weird shaped head, they said he could get through the transom window above a door to get into someone's house. <laughs> no, because he's got a football shaped head, and obviously the shape of the window. And uh, they were all saying about how to get through this window, and that's that's where I learned what that is because he fits through the uh, the window above is, the. Uh, is Hey Arnold the? Yeah, Hey Arnold's one with the awesome bedroom. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I idolized that that cartoon as a child, just knowing how great that bedroom was. And uh, and his just... friend's got sort of kid and play hair. I can't remember the name of his friend. He's just got that really tall uh, Afro hair. I think yeah. um, Dan, Dan Butler's a voice in Hey Arnold. Um, really? Got, yeah, I can't remember who he voices, but I'm pretty sure he was a voice in Hey Arnold. I never really watched Hey Arnold. What was the kind of premise? I think. Well, this was twenty thirty years ago for me. Well, I mean. <laughs> I haven't watched it since. I just remember that part. I don't know why. Um, oh, Dan Castellaneta was in it. Yeah, kids who go to school. I think you know it's just a general Nickelodeon cartoon, really. I think they're. Tra- I think his grandparents run like a uh, apartment building. And he lives with his grandparents. Yeah, there. he lives with them in an inner city tenement um, in Hillwood, yeah. Washington. Um, episode central his experiences navigating urban life whilst dealing with zany hijinks. I mean. Was it was it intended for kids and had an adult following, or was it like The Simpsons in that it was like pretty nondescript in its intended audience? No, I think it was made literally just for kids. I mean, Nickelodeon back then was very much like that. Other oh, than okay, Ren- yeah, yeah. I mean, other than Ren and Stimpy, Ren and Stimpy was just. I mean, I can watch that now and still feel like I'm on drugs. It's an absolutely insane TV show. I never got my head around it, Ren and Stimpy. I absolutely loved watching it, but could never really understand who the hell made it and what what audience they were aiming it for. Um, I still love to watch it. It's, it's great fun. But yeah, I mean, other podcasts are available. I'm sure there's a Hey Arnold podcast out there if listeners are interested. <laughs> oh, many episodes involve urban legends, such as superheroes or the Headless Horseman. I need to, I need to get on this. Yeah, I think I, I do vaguely remember that. This but... sounds like a right little slice of me. This does. Hey Arnold. Nice. Classic 90s Nickelodeon, that was. Well, I never had Nickelodeon, you see, as a kid. My friends had it. There's always these memes and stuff online. But for me, when I was a child, people that had Sky or Nickelodeon were like people that had money, uh, in quote marks, which isn't strictly true now, knowing the people that had it. They weren't from rich families. That was just, that was a place they had put their money. Yeah. Yeah. But we never had any of that. So I missed all of those fun shows as a kid. 
Oh, Nickelodeon, like I say, in the night is Hey Arnold, um, Sister Sister, Moesha, probably on there. Um, Rocco's Modern Life, that was that was another strange cartoon. Uh, Clarissa Explains It All. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, I was just thinking about it. Oh, I can't remember now. Yeah, Clarissa Explains It All was um, Melissa Joan Hart's first TV programme, I think, before Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Or The mm. Adventures of Alex Mack. Cool, I've gone right back into the 90s now. I'm going to have to go and look at, look at some YouTube later and go through the 90s TV shows of my childhood. You know, the uh, on Prime, they've got those like four-hour compilations of Looney Tunes. What we need yeah. is those massive compilations of like just classic Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon sitcoms. Uh, Paramount Plus, uh, where I've been watching the recent Frasier, uh, has got Rocco's Modern Life. I did watch a couple of episodes recently. <laughs> nice. I love that. And Netflix did have the Hey Arnold movie on there for quite a while, which I never actually got around to watching, which maybe I should have done. Mm, maybe. Maybe there'll be some urban legends in there. Um, this episode gets very dark now. The police arrive. Niles is wanted for homicide or they're investigating homicide. The bloody Pinoir comes in. Quite a gruesome, gruesome artifact of a crime there. They're kind of holding up this bloodied uh, Pinoir that's been described earlier as Niles stabbing Maris to death on the <laughs> beach. Um, and then him, oh, this is funny. Oh, you're all going to laugh. <laughs> um, I'm just like, come on, spit it out. You're going to get arrested, Niles. Um, I enjoy how ludicrous it is and then how... Um... Everyone, I'm saying that word obviously because of Frasier, but how they keep constantly saying, um, they go, hold on, it was dressed in a penwar. No, don't be ludicrous. We put the penwar on it. <laughs> uh, and you doused it in perfume. Uh, of course we put the perfume on it. And then you stabbed it. Yes. <laughs> and we tied it to an anchor lamp and we took it out to sea and it's floated back in. See, it's all explainable. And you're like, no, it really isn't. You know, and, and when Claudia looks up at him and goes, you stabbed a seal. Oh, don't be silly. It was already dead. <laughs> like, what, how, I mean, again, it could have been so easy just to come back in and say, this is what the emergency services or the seal mobile, as Niles calls them, this is what they told us to do. We've tried to do that. You know, yeah. they told us to float it back out to sea, put some holes in it, tie it down to something and get rid of it. We've tried to do what professional animal care people have told us to do. And it would have been so easy, but it wouldn't have made a very good episode. <laughs> it would, it wouldn't. Instead, we get a, a really good episode. Um, indeed. Speaking of, is it in your top ten, Steve? I rated it nine out of ten. Ooh. That so that's my rating on IMDb. Um, it's mm. a Joe Keenan episode, which ticks a big box for me. It's farcical, which ticks a big box for me. It's not in my top 10, I'm afraid. Damn, you are a cruel mistress with those criteria. <laughs> I think this episode could certainly be in quite a few listeners' top 10s. I think we're going to hear this in in kind of next week's responses, or maybe in this email this week. Um, actor pick, who have you gone for? Uh, I can't go for John Mahoney, I'm afraid, um, although he delivers some great lines. I just can't do it because of what the lines are. Um, <laughs> Daphne is not in it enough. Roz is barely in it. Poor Perry Gilpin again. She's could, getting a you, real short yeah, end of the stick at the moment. Yeah, you can have an opening scene, but we don't need you for the rest of it. Um, it's, it's obviously got to be between David Hyde Pierce and Kelsey Grammer. I think I'm going to have to go with... David Hyde Pierce, and I know it's predictable, but I think it's because of his physical acting. The way they open the curtains and he's wiping the knife with the penoir and just suddenly looks and throws <laughs> throws it away, and the way when it when he's all wet and he just stands there, and and the movements around the um, 
the beachfront and all that stuff and the clapping and then you've got Kelsey clapping back and stuff. I just think, yeah, I think David Hyde Pierce this week. I think he uh, he just 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 beats Kelsey. Very, very good. I have gone for David Hyde Pierce as well for the same reasons. So I shall not repeat myself. Uh, <laughs> Kennedy Burling, a man on the ground, Steve. Has he ever stabbed a sea creature to the best of your knowledge? <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that to be the question. I don't know why. Is does, does, does Mrs. Brower? Burling own a penoir? Is that is that more appealing to you? Do, do you know what? Um, you can't really see it. Um, the colour of my bedroom that I'm currently sitting in is Penoir by um, Farrow Ball. Um, oh, so I like Farrow yeah. Ball. You, you yeah, it's spicy a, um, mix. It's a slightly pinkish colour. And yeah, it's called Penoir. Um, other paint brands are available. Um, we're not sponsored by Farrow Ball either, but if we... You know, Get in if touch. For, if they're looking for a sponsor. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Don't repeat the question. Um, no, he's never stabbed an animal of any kind, sea seafaring or not. Um, he did... Also, I believe, um, a row championship rower um, at uh, Oxford, the same as uh, Niles says that Fraser did. So I, I believe he was a very accomplished rower. But that's Excellent. It. An accomplished rower, that is that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> he's got he's got the chest and the arms of a rower, um, which, is, which is why I asked about the, the violence as well. Um, all that remains is to add, play Who's Crazy Anyway. Um, my word this week, I could change it. I'm not going to. I'm going to give you an open goal, and it is and it is occupying. <laughs> that doesn't help me. <laughs> come on, come on, think think of the gags from earlier. You it's know, got, you know, it's got to be Daphne. It's um, Daphne. With yeah, you're not. It's not dating if you're an occupying force. It is Daphne. Very good indeed. Uh, shall we jump over to listen now? Yeah, let's do it. Raz, who's our next caller? Okay, listen to Mal this week. Uh, a very, very popular episode, as we predicted. So lots of you have written in on Facebook and Instagram. We'll read a good selection. Um, we probably won't be able to read them all out, um, which I'm sure you all understand. Uh, Savithri says, uh, please correct me if I've mispronounced your name. Uh, definitely one of the best, I often say, in your clothes is. Uh, also, when the police officer lays out the events of the evening, so you found a dead seal dressed in the pinoir, doused in perfume, and stabbed it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> excellent. Nola, Nola Milne says, conversely, I don't know what it is, but I really am not that keen on this episode. Um, you don't need to give a reason, Nola. Yeah, yeah. All opinions are welcome. Um, over on Instagram, we've got Hearts Grecky. Hearts Gretchy. Sorry, if I, I can't pronounce the Instagram ones because obviously some of them are initials or, or made up names. Uh, it says, it was my introduction to Fraser because it's my mum's favourite. Uh, she still dissolves into laughing tears at the mention of the carcass stabbing or the light clap on, which is absolutely delightful that it's your first episode you saw and that you watched it with your mother. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah. Sean Teal has put the clapper light is hysterical and Alicia Clayton 281198 says very funny excellent uh, Stephanie Sunshine says this whole episode sorry this episode is definitely top five for me um, paraphrasing some of Stephanie's ideas here she loves the exchange between Martin and Daphne so very differently to me but that's absolutely fine uh, finding you dirty old man uh, particularly hilarious um, and Mr. Gray it's not dating when you're an occupying force uh, I also love the absurdity of Nars and Fraser trying to get rid of the dead seal. Its condition, it's deceased. 
Uh, hostile Chef Marcel and Gretchen's great performance. I love when they're trying to explain to the police what happened, and it sounds even more ridiculous to hear it explained. It's one of my absolute favourites. Uh, Karen Saxon, again, contrastingly says, I know I'm in the minority, but the hijinks episodes are not my favourite. Having said that, I just rewatched it yesterday and liked it better than I thought I would. Excellent. Uh, the Dead is Dead is probably my top 10 episodes. Favourite line? Well, it is November. Uh, <laughs> Chris Jono84 says, excellent episode. And Piles Crane has got in touch to say, great episode. The good hosts should know that. Well, we are a bad celebrity, is all I can say. <laughs> very, very good. You two, you two should host this podcast for repartee like that. Uh, Jonathan Watkins says, so excited for this one. This episode is firmly rooted in my top 10. Uh, he says, for me, two of the things I love about Frasier is the ability to portray and put into words the more serious parts of life um, and also create ridiculous farcical <laughs> moments as well. Um, and it makes for such great escapist viewing and Seal Came to Dinner offers that in abundance. A scene that always ruins me, as a certain podcast host might say, uh, is when we cut to Nars, glimpse through the window, who throws the knife over his shoulder upon noticing everyone <laughs> staring at him. I, I think I might be the podcast host being referenced there. I do use that <laughs> phrase often thank you jonathan um we have mike grumwell that says one of the greats for sure could it be will's number one episode of all time i don't think so oh um, no it isn't <laughs> miss worcester 18 has put one of the best it smells so nice now it seems a shame to bury it <laughs> and rayleigh 514 has put a top five well, top favorite episode Excellent. Uh, Matthew Clement says, never actually determined my top 10, but this is definitely a classic that could only uh, only happen in Fraserland. It says only half in Fraserland, but I reckon he meant happen. Uh, Robert Strange, the syndicated dinner is a top five for me. Absolutely love it. My wife and I welcomed our beloved baby Rosie last year. Congratulations, Robert. Uh, and I find myself sometimes coming home and looking around and saying... Is there a baby here? In a terrible <laughs> French accent before going to greet her. Such a strong and hilarious episode. I've been eagerly awaiting this and dinner party for some time now. Excellent. Just a couple more from me. Uh, the Happy Blue Fox is one of my all-time favourite episodes, really in my top ten. And Crob417 says, definitely reminds me of one of my favourite movies, Death Trap. Please tell me others think so. Well, get in touch with uh, Crob417. Do you think it reminds you of Death Trap? I've not seen the movie. I don't. I don't recognise it. So no, likewise. But get in touch. Uh, let's end. Well, let's end the, the Facebook portion of things with our boy Corey. He says one of the few times the animation in the title matches a non-rain major plot point in the episode. Very good. A very good. Corey will like that we uh, discuss that. Speaking of meteor showers, generally you're not supposed to see them in areas with lots of light pollution, which 1901 seems to have. I know initially Nars was laboured for choice, but still. Frasier really goes off on Niles being so transfixed on the crack in the window for his golden apron party as being a minor detail. When back in season three is Kisses Sweeter Than Wine, Frasier also goes off on Niles for causing the scratch in the floor ahead of his wine tasting party. Double standard. Uh, a lot of lit and unmonitored candles on the back porch of the beach house on a windy night. Perhaps the cops should have bought the fire department. <laughs> Uh, and, Mart and Martin and Corey also ends by saying Martin's sweater is the same one he got last season in Perspectives on Christmas. Any more on Instagram, Steve? No, that's covered pretty much all of them. Excellent. That pretty much wraps things up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for all of you who wrote in. Uh, it's amazing to hear from you. As always, keep it coming. Uh, we hope for many of you, this is a very popular episode. So we hope we've done it justice. Uh, next week, we will be back with Season 6, Episode 9, Roz Alone. 
uh, where Frasier and Roz get into some slightly choppy friendship waters over the loaning of some money. But other than that, I've been Will. And I've been Steve. And thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, my. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs.